Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Art to Ask Me Anything with Carby Tay. Today we're going to be diving into automation and operations within the quick service food and beverage industry. So we're going to be talking about Starbucks, McDonald's, Blank Street Coffee and even Sweet Green. Now Carl, I've done one operations class so my knowledge is limited and I of course have the economic understanding of supply and demand. So I understand that retailers may really be struggling especially in these spaces, to really forecast demand and make sure they don't deal with the same pileup that Starbucks does. Take me behind the scenes of something that you might know that I might not in the retail industry and operations specifically. Wow, that's a big question. And, uh, you know, no, I don't know if, if I know that much more than you do about it, but let's let's see what we can we can dig up. So, I mean, I think sort of the, the basic uh, challenges right now where this automation is trying to fill a gap it was around staffing, first and foremost. I think there's been uh, sort of this turn. We've seen it with self-checkout and other in other sort of applications of trying to automate some processes or pass it along to the customer, uh, quite honestly. But the uh, to your economics, supply and demand side, I think it's also a question of just margin. Where can we generate more margin? Which processes are recurring? That's sort of the first step around automation is you got to sort of identify what are the uh, steps in the path to purchase that are just sort of always the same and don't really create necessarily incremental value uh, for your customers? So you just kind of want to automate those out as much as possible. And then, you know, what's your value proposition in QSR, or quick service restaurants or fast casual, uh, you know, are, are seen to be these uh, target areas that are, um, I think, perfectly fit for this because we saw at certain stages some of these concepts not even being able to operate because they couldn't staff them. I think in my local Tim Hortons here that would be closed on weekday afternoons between two and four just because they didn't have any staff. Uh, and clearly that could be very well automated because I don't know. Yes, there have been experiences where I've gone there and the person who gave me my coffee or, or handed me my sandwich uh, added value to the transaction or had a nice conversation or was smiley or whatever. That's probably not the average. So in that case, maybe a quick service restaurants like Tim Hortons are probably going to want to automate uh, that that process a bit more. But you're asking about Starbucks and those. So mm-hmm. we, we'll go back to those in a second because I think there's some maybe more interesting use cases around those as well. Yeah, for sure. And we're definitely going to talk about the impact on the employees and staffing maybe towards the end. But I do kind of want to know when it comes to this automation and finding these ways, it does make sense, of course, to figure out steps in the system and make it a process. I mean, I watched the McDonald's movie once and that was the best case study there is on this. What else is happening behind the scenes with these retailers and planning out these maybe strikes of innovation of how they can speed up their processes and shave off seconds, minutes? Yeah, I don't know if it's so much about shaving off. I think it's just, you know, maybe creating more consistency uh, and this goes back, you mentioned the McDonald's movie, we can go all the way back to Ford and, and Henry Ford in the first yeah. Model T and the way that they sort of manufactured those cars. There's a long history of automation. The key factor right now why you're seeing so much more of it, Arda, and we're talking more and more about it, is how accessible it is. You know, I was at the All In AI conference uh, this week in Montreal, and you know, these small robotic arms that are basically now very cost effective. Before, you would have had to be like one of the, you'd have to be Boeing or, or Tesla to be able to even think about doing these sort of things where now if you're a small uh, meal kit provider or even sweet greens you know you can have one of these small arms just sort of repeating that same task 
which again, doesn't necessarily create value for the customer. It's often behind the scenes. Sometimes we're putting it in the front of the customer because it's a novelty and they think it's kind of cool on the short term to see this these robots in action and eventually that will wear off. But the idea is again, the consistency, the cost effectiveness because the processing costs, the manufacturing costs, all these are coming down. So this technology is becoming more and more accessible to the point to the point where we have a little Chinese restaurant not far from where I live in a, in a strip mall that's using one of these robotic delivery waiters in, in the restaurant going around with your plate and it comes up to the side of your table and there's your plate. Not the big chain. This is a small, independent, family-owned Asian restaurant that's using one of these little delivery robots. And guess what? It, it also attracted a lot of attention. It went kind of viral and people thought it was kind of neat. So they wanted to go see one of those restaurants up front. But my bet is in a couple of years, you'll see a lot more of those uh, running around. And hopefully, as your last question around the employee impact, we can think about what the repercussions there are as well. It's not too hard to kind of assume what the repercussions are. I think employees do come out and speak. With Starbucks's new siren system, they're aiming to really, I guess, fix or speed up their processes and making the drinks really automate that process as much as possible. And it does come at the cost of these employees who maybe, you know, personalizing someone's drink or knowing how someone likes their drink is is part of the joy for them. And I think also a big thing that the retail industry, I mean, clearly already has struggled with in the past, but even more so, I kind of hear this conversation around how are we going to motivate people to apply for these jobs and want to do these jobs when, you know, it might be a minimum wage job. And so, you know, the money is not going to be the huge factor, but there's many reasons why people get these these jobs and if you're kind of taking out that aspect that might be quite a strong negative impact i agree art i think the the value add there the personalization the human component the empathy yeah. that the humans bring to the equation are super important in the value proposition and i hope that brands like Starbucks and the others that are you know going down this road i'm pretty sure are very sensitive to that i mean it's kind of core to their brand at the same time though in these environments where over half of the orders are coming in from mobile app and people just want to get in and get out. I mean, we got to be careful because we have a tendency to generalize and think everybody sort of behaves in one manner. Everybody wants to talk mm -hmm. to the barista. Everybody likes that personal touch. Some people just want their mocha grande, venti, whatever thing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as quickly as possible because they just want the drink and they like the drink and the way that it's done and, and that's it. And it's more about time because they only have a 15 minute break and that's a, a treat for them. And giving back people time is something that's been on retailer and industry people in general more and more. The human component, I think if we can use technology in a way that removes the boring, repetitive, not enjoyable tasks of work and, and frees up. And I think that's sort of the promise. Now, let's see how this all plays out because this is not all one-sided either. But the idea is, hey, you want to be a barista, you want to do original drinks. So there's going to be sort of two queues. There's going to be the fast queue for mobile ordering. And it's the same drink every time. And there's going to be the slow queue for the people who want to be inspired and not too sure what they want right now. And they want to talk to a barista and have this really engaging experience. But let's make sure that we invest in that experience and that we train those baristas and make sure that they're top of their game or they're the salad chef or you name it, whatever service you're offering, that's going to require extra investment too if you want to go get that margin. To kind of finish out, I think my last question would be if you could maybe tell me more about the data side. I'm curious, Starbucks obviously sees that it's a problem, they are implementing this new system, but how long do you think they've known about this problem and how long does it take to solve a problem like this with then maybe now looking at their mobile orders and seeing where they can forecast. How strong are their abilities in that way? 
Oh, they have, you know, they have super strong abilities and really big partners. I mean, just look at their partnership with Microsoft, for instance, where they have one of their cafes in the Microsoft head office in Redmond campus, which they use sort of as a lab as well. So compute and technology is not going to be the issue. Process is very interesting and it's not my wheelhouse. I have friends that are much better suited to talk to you about sort of how do you unpack this and optimize. But I think what you're referring to is the fact that, you know, sometimes we get these bottlenecks where we think about, okay, we want to optimize the order, but then we're sort of slow in the delivery or, you know, we're making the drinks very quickly, but they're all piling up on, on a counter. Like we saw at the, I saw in the presentation last week at our retail innovation summit from somebody from Starbucks saying, Hey, we optimize the order. We optimize the making of the drinks, but guess what? We have this table with 35 different beverages on it with different labels for different people. And we hadn't got to that stage yet. So you have to keep making all of these things work to close out, you know, the data component obviously becomes very important because as I've often talked about here on our little series is the fact that we're trying to get to prescriptive, right? We're trying to get to a place where we're good enough with data to really anticipate and deliver on the need in quick service restaurants are obviously at the epicenter of that. So uh, the more data you can collect, the more contextual you can make it so that you understand it properly, not just uh, thinking that Arda, every time she walks up close to a Starbucks, wants the same drink, but there may be different times of the year and she's maybe into the pumpkin spice latte right now. So maybe that's something that gets triggered at, at certain times uh, or mornings and afternoons are different or whatever. So we need to get better and better and to do that. Um, more and more data is going to make us more efficient, more uh, and hopefully more relevant to our customers. Yeah, and back to your your point that you made in a previous episode: design, data, technology, I guess operations, automation. They all come into play, and it's kind of yeah, it's kind of interesting how they all come together in the retail industry. I've enjoyed breaking down operations, the more technical side of maybe what we normally talk about. But I hope everyone's enjoyed. And if you have any insight, any more questions that we think need answered in this space, let us know in the comments below. And as always, thanks for listening, guys. Lots of questions for sure. Bye for now. Bye for now.